You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited you're joining me today. I have the amazing Olivia Award-winning Giles Torreira. Uh, we have a great conversation, but before we go into it, I just want to let you know that I'm doing a sale over at Michael Kushner Photography. If you want $200 off your book with a friend, you don't have to shoot on the same day, but you have to book together. Um, that gets you $200 off, and if you want $100 off, you could just book by yourself. You don't have to rely on anyone to 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 to, to see if they're if they're if they're ready to book or uh, making sure that they're ready. To, no, you can book by yourself. So you can book with a friend, save $200 each, or just book by yourself and save $100. And you could do that on my website, www.michaelkushnerphotography.com, and just mention that you heard that there's a sale um, through the Giles Terrera episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate, and uh, we'll get you all set up. Um, I went to the Titanic exhibit, the one on 14th Street in New York City. Uh, I went with the fabulous Jen Waldman um, of Jen Waldman Studio. Probably many of you listening already um, train with Jen Waldman, who's one of the best, you know, coaches, educators, creatives, cheerleaders in this industry. Um, so if you don't know Jen Waldman, please check out Jen Waldman. Um, she's the absolute best. And uh, we went on a double date to go to this exhibit. You know, she did Titanic on Broadway and the national tour and um, has a connection to it. And, you know, I've talked many times about my connection with it. And it was just beautiful to see artifacts and be so close to so many things and um, and learn about many new stories that happened on the ship that I didn't know about. Um, so if you can, go check it out. It's really cool. It's the Titanic exhibition on 14th Street. Um, really, really great. It was great. It was a, It's a great day to spend a Sunday and learn about something you might not know. Um, but anyway, oh, also, 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 go see Grey House on Broadway. Oh my gosh, we, we saw Grey House and it was so awesome. It's 90 minutes of, it's a thriller comedy, and it's spooky. Um, if you don't like jump scares, it's not a jump scare thing, though you do sort of like get freaked out because someone will just appear, or it's just really, really great. Um, Laurie Metcalf is amazing, Sophia and Caruso is amazing, uh, Tatiana Maslany is amazing, the whole cast is really great, and there are so many things that are left up 
to interpretation and it's poetic and it's it's hysterical and it's magical and it's just awesome so go see gray house on broadway uh it's currently in previews as of may 22nd but opens um shortly and and it's it's just a really exciting i think it's a great date show if you're early on in a relationship or you want to go with some friends um it really is awesome. It's currently playing at the Lyceum Theater, so go see it. Anyway, moving on, Giles Torreira is an award-winning actor, musician, writer. He trained at Mount View Theater School and has worked consistently at venues such as the National Theater, ugh, the dream, the Royal Shakespeare Company, another dream, and Shakespeare's Globe, another dream. He is best known for originating the role of Aaron Burr in the London production of the award-winning musical Hamilton, for which he won the 2018 Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical. Other credits include The Tempest, Avenue Q, The Book of Mormon, Rent, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Hamlet, Death and the King's Horsemen, Troilus and Cressida, Candide, Honk, The Merchant of Venice, and so many more. As a writer, his theater work includes The Meaning of Zong at Bristol Old Vic, The Ballad of Soho Jones at the St. James, and Black Matter at Crazy Cox. As a filmmaker, Torreira's first documentary, Muse of Fire, created with Dan Poole, premiered on BBC Four in 2013, and he wrote and directed the concert film Hello Harry, A Celebration. Giles was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire, in 2020, New Year Honors for Services to Theater. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment, tell your friends, your family, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, do all of that good stuff. Enjoy the episode. Giles Torreira, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So where are you calling from? I am currently in Earl's Court in West London. One of my favorite places in the world. Um, How do you know London then? I do. I do know London. I lived there when I was studying abroad and saw some of my favorite shows at the National, at the Donmar, oh, cool. the Many a Chocolate Factory. I mean, I was London actually saved my life, and um, I had sort of that collegiate nervous breakdown while I was studying musical theater, where. I don't know if I was smoking too much weed or I just genuinely, you know, something happened. But I remember sort of not understanding anything about the world anymore. I lost all sense of uh, comprehension. And it was like the weirdest thing in the world. I couldn't, I didn't know why. And it wound up being a question that I ask myself every day and implore you know, the people I work with to ask, but I didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing or why I how was, old, how old were you? I was, I was 20. Right. I was 20. And I sort of started having this Pippin complex of there's gotta be something better or no one, no one is enough. Every time I met someone, I was like, Oh, you're a sad, you're a sad individual. And it was like, no, it wasn't. And it, I just started like, my brain started melting and then I moved to London for that semester and I started to realize that these questions the why the what is love what is the world have been mm. asked for thousands of years that I'm not the first person and so when I was seeing you know reading and seeing Shakespearean texts on stage and those questions were being asked that were relatable and even in musical theater as well 
and seeing how old the history of London is, you know, like the the original wall by the Barbican. And yeah. I realized I was like, I'm not alone. And I started to heal. And London really, really saved my life. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Had you spent much time outside of uh, America before? Before that, before coming in? No, that was my first time. I went to the Bahamas because I'm from Fort Lauderdale. So we would do like day trips to the Bahamas. But that was right. my first time out of the country. So seeing something and i thought i was cultured because i'm i'm a jewish american so i was like i have culture i'm good it's not like i don't know that there are things that exist outside of my world but something about it really helped me put into yeah. perspective and understand that like i'm not alone and, yeah. and london really i don't know if you feel that way about you know growing up there or how when yeah just... it's yeah it's interesting because when you I came to London when I was 18 to go to drama school and just that simple thing of of leaving home, leaving the nest, going outside of what you know and just finding yourself in the big bad world. I mean the first the first night I was in London, I and I got that together. I I kind of found the drama school. Um I had to get a grant to go there because mm -hmm. I was a single single parent family. So I did everything I on my own to sort of make it happen. And then when I was there, the first night I was there, I just cried and cried and cried because I was like, here, I'm in the middle of London. I know no one. I have nothing. I have no money. But um, I know that I'm, I, I sort of, it's something I have to do. Uh, and that's quite useful, I guess, when you're sort of out of the comfort zone or when you go beyond the boundaries of the, of the village or whatever it is. And you go out, step out into the unknown. It's very useful, I think. You have to I sort of confront yourself, don't you? My God, of course you do. It's, you know, um, we, I, I have to you know, uh, I have to constantly check in my privilege, you know, and, and understand and in this industry, you know, there's so much, um, there's, cause I grew up in this industry at 20, you know, I've been in the industry about 22 years. I started when I was nine, eight or nine, give or take. And that was a very specific environment. It was South Florida. I was doing a lot of shows, for my people, for my community. Um, and then when I moved to New York, of course, you know, understanding the uh, different perspectives and different communities that are here and um, and figuring out how my perspective and my uh, presence fits in to this industry, especially when we're having so many co conversations about uh, centering other uh, othered people it's um i think breaking out you know for anyone listening to this that's like afraid of breaking out it's it's something that you at least have to try and you know i talk with a lot of students that are so afraid of moving to new york or la or london or a bigger city because they can't afford it i'm like not really anyone can that's the thing right you just, right. You just sort of have to get here and and try it out and it's like i couldn't afford it when i moved here i had i think i saved up um you know two months rent just for cushion and then you know made a, i immediately got a, a for now survival job and and figured it out like that's that's the risk you you sort yeah. of have to take i mean for you like what are sort of your what are sort of the checklist things for a younger artists that wants to move to London? Like what are the things that you think someone must have 
um, whether or not that's like a, something financially or something mentally, something spiritually, what, like, what are the things that you must have when you move to the city? I think um, big cities are always difficult financially. No one, like you say, no one's got any money. Everything's much more expensive in the big cities. So you, you, if if you if you can afford to live there, it's great. And when you can't, it's really really difficult. However, there are more opportunities. I think to just kind of get by. So you can. There are more places to wait behind bars or wait on tables or whatever you need to do. There are more get by jobs. And as long as you kind of, I would I would always go like take it one step at a time do you know what i mean if you come to a big city whether it's la whether it's london whether it's new york you kind of have come with like a dream for the most part if you're an artist anyway you know you've got a very specific idea about where you want to get to and i would always go just allow yourself the time to make the steps to work towards that goal mm. it's it's of course it's never going to come immediately but it's kind of it's okay to say i'm not here yet or i'm not where i want to be yet but i'm working towards it I think you have to have kind of patience if you want to move to a big city. You have to have, and I think primarily for an artist, you have to have before anything else, a sense, and this is ironically from what we've just been talking about, about coming, to, about moving out into, in order to find yourself, but you have to have a sense of who you are, at least when you are in your hometown, in your space with your family growing up. Uh, have an idea about who you are as an artist like what what you like what interests you what turns you on what stories you're drawn to what stories you want to tell what music you like have an idea about um, your own identity because the moment you start if you go to drama school if you learn music whatever it is that you're you're going to come and study and, and you want to make a, a life doing it's really really tricky and you if like I grew, I started out in bands when I was a kid so I wanted to be in bands and I like music and I played instruments so you're kind of doing that and you're you've got your little group and then that's it there's five of you there's four of you that's it when you come to London like everyone has or the city everyone has like an opinion about what you should do should you get an agent this agent wants you to change that this director wants you to be more like that they're looking for this everyone has a kind of opinion which you kind of have to fit into so I always think like having a real sense of who you are as an artist, as a person as well, if you can, but but definitely like as an artist, what is it that you are passionate about? Because you're going to have to hold on to that when shit gets really, really chaotic, which it does all the time. So for me, it's that that's like the number one thing. You know, who are, what do you, what do you believe in as, as an artist? What do you like? What do you, what do you want to change? What do you want to, how do you want to use your talents to change things? Um, and you're going to need to hold on to that because you don't always get the jobs. You want, you know, there's a job you really want. You don't get it. Um, any number of things where you, you, where you go, actually, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed or sad that this didn't happen. Or you might be dealing with really difficult people. You might be, you, know, you might go to rehearsal room and there's all kinds of shit happening or the director's playing games or something, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that could be happening which can knock you off. And if you've got a strong sense of who you are and what you feel, an, an actress, a really brilliant actress um, said to me right at the beginning of my career, she was like, "You've." I was playing um, a, a good lead part in a play uh, outside of London. And she said, you know, you've got really good instincts. 
and this was the end of the gig she sort of took me aside and said you've got good instincts like listen to them and it was she said it in a kind of way which is like you know next time or in the next project or moving on you know trust your instincts because as young actors as young artists you go you wait for the director to tell you what to do or you wait for the casting director to give you the nod as a whereas actually what do you feel and what's what's what is that thing within you? That's what got you to drama school or to mm-hmm. college or uni in the first place. That's what got you to London. That's what got you to New York. So I think we have to be kind of very um, protective of that thing within us, which kind of is the original dynamo. Um, and I think, yeah, I can't underestimate like the fact that you need to kind of look after that because it's very, very, it's a massive obstacle course when you go into any profession. Um, and as I find personally, I can only speak personally, as long as you've got that, you look after that thing within you, which was the original spark, then when the difficult days happen, because it might not even be anyone else, it might just be you. I remember in when we did Hamilton, it was like there were so many days where I thought, I'm not, you know, in rehearsals where I thought, I'm not, I can't do, I'm not doing yet what I want to be able to do or what I feel wow. needs to happen. And that's okay. That's okay. Because I go back to that original thing. Okay, what did you feel about this show when you first encountered it what did you feel about Aaron Burr when you first encountered him hold on to that so as a slightly long-winded answer but I think it's, it's a it's a really important question no you said incredible things that I was writing down because I want to revisit them and you know there's okay I was just watching after I was just at Florida State Thespians adjudicating and performing at the mm. and teaching workshops and it's 8,000 kids and when I was in high school uh, I I competed, I participated in Florida State Thespians, and now I'm, you know, a guest artist. And it's so, it's just as inspiring, if not more inspiring, than when, um, when uh, I was in high school for me as an artist. And I need that week. I need to go to that week because I watch these kids who are so themselves share all of it with them, with each other and mm-hmm. the world, you know, uh, on stage and off stage. And it's a reminder to do the same. So I was, you know, I was watching old videos of me from States, from thespians and I'm performing. There's one song that I'm doing where I'm performing on a, on the stage where wicked is currently touring and I got to see, you know, it was great. I photographed the witches while I was in Tampa and saw my best friend who was on the tour. And um, I was on that stage in high school where Wicked is now performing for thespians. And it's a 3,000 seater, a huge space. And I was watching the video and I sound incredible. I'm not mic'd. I am singing for blood to the back of the house in this space. And it sounds like I'm right next to the camera. And all the vibrato, all of the merman is just right out there. And I wanted to just tell that kid, I wanted to scream at that kid and just grab him by the throat and be like, don't let go of that. Don't let anyone try to beat that out of you because they're going to try. And you're going to listen to them. And then what's going to happen is it's going to take years for you to get back to that. And I'm I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I... Mm. I am just now finding a confidence to step back on stage. But what I have done, what that has done for me mm. is 
when you say when you're when you talk about Burr and you were in rehearsals and you were like, I'm not really doing the thing that I'm I'm trying to do. I can relate to that in terms of like my career, because what I was doing was showing up to auditions and failing miserably because I was going to the wrong ones. And I am a firm believer of knowing who you are allows you to go into the right rooms and book the right stuff. I think for like maybe the first year and please, you know, I would love to know your point of view in this. If you're like, no, do everything you can because everyone has different perspectives. Mm. I think part of the thing of moving to the city or a city for the first year is exploring and doing everything you can, but then using that information to then protect your art and go, I don't need to go to that room anymore. I don't need to show up for that team because I don't like working for that team. So why would I audition for them again? Or that story is anti-Semitic. I don't need to be a part of that. Or that doesn't seem like a safe space for me. So using the things that we experience in our life not only creates better art, it creates more specific art. Very much so. Very much so. I agree with that. Because you... You obviously you can't if you you know you you talk about going into an audition room. Um you you we've all had that thing. And so so you get the sides, you get the get you get the, the part, the script, the song, you learn it, you spend all the time going over it, you've got to go into the room if such things happen. Over here it's happening less and less and less. But in the old days, you've got to go into the room. You cannot tell what is going to be inside that room you cannot control what's going to be inside that room even if you know obviously you know the cast and director you know what the director is going to be if the director is going to be there you don't know where they're going to be sitting are they going to be sitting at the far end of the room are they going to be sitting on the right is the is the casting assistant going to be there um is it going to be is the piano going to be over there or is it going to be, you can't really tell what is you're going to meet in that room the only thing you can control is what you take into it I always like to think like the work that you've done. And as you say, who you are, you can control that. You can work on that. Um, often we kind of put that to the side and go, what do they want to see? What do they want to hear? What do I need to do in order to be able to impress them enough to get this job? Um, and if you don't get things, you then go, oh, is it because I'm not X, Y, Z? And then you, the danger is you can start to change without even mm -hmm. really clocking it. You start to shift away from, and that's, I guess, what you're talking about. If I'm hearing you correctly, is that over the over your time, you can drift away from what you actually originally were. So right. that kid, as you say, when you see him on stage, like pinging it out, one, there's a kind of fearlessness. I don't know whether you saw that, but it's like you're just doing what I can kind of envisage it as you're saying it. You're just doing what you do. That's the song that you love, and you're pinging it out, and that's it. Whereas there's no like. There's no, um, what are the critics going to say mm -hmm. about this performance? It's like, you know, are my friends and family going to like it? And Am I going to like it? Yeah, right, right. And all the other stuff comes kind of later. And you you can, if you're, if you're not careful, you can shift away. You know, I, I, in my experience, everything that I've ever got, every project that I've ever done, has been down to something which I brought to London with me. You don't really learn. You just, as you say, go to London. I completely agree. Go to the city and see everything. My drama teacher was like that. Go to the museums, find out about art, find out about music, 
you're not going to be painting find go go to the galleries and find out who people were find out about the different periods of artists so you've got stuff to bring to the table when you're around the table in the rehearsal room and you'll say okay now we're, we're talking about paris we're doing a play in paris in the in the end of the 19th century you're going to need to know about art you can't get around it um i did a play about the american revolution well um you need to know about that shit <laughs> you need to know who george iii was you need to know like um, so the more you can stock up with fuel, the more it's going to serve you. And as you rightly say, the more it's going to ground you as a person. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we, 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 I don't think we can ever sort of transform into something that we're not in order to be able to impress someone, a director to get a gig. It's like, it's about what's originally in you on some level. You might shift it a bit or you might bring it out a bit. You might exaggerate a bit your personality, but it's about what you are as a person. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. Stock up and, uh, and, and be true to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, I always think like the other, the other thing I was, I found myself saying in the last couple of years is, um, is the example of Lynn. Lynn, so, you know, it's not it's not that long ago that Lynn was at the White House going, this is a show I'm working on and it's about Alexander Hamilton and his hip hop. Cut to the Obamas. <laughs> and then sort of, you know, chuckling. Cut to six years later, seven years later, they're back at the White House performing it. Now, certainly by the time it reached London, it's a huge pop culture phenomenon. But, is it? Just, I'm literally <laughs> kidding. I know. It but is. but there's was, there was, there was a, there a point where it's there. I've been in on Broadway and it's like people don't know it yet. People don't know the music yet. People don't mm -hmm. know what happens. Um, now people are very used to going to a show. You've, you know, now people are used to seeing Bridgerton. They're not used to, they're not used to seeing that when before Hamilton happens. So it's like. And that comes from Lynn being true to himself. This is what I wanted, this is what I believe in. This is a story that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Uh, I could try and do something which is gonna really land and become commercial, but I'm gonna try and do this. This is what I'm passionate about. And look what you can achieve if you if you stay true to what it is that's, that's within you and that, that, that really arrests your spirit. Um, so I think that's a good lesson. This is a good lesson to observe. There's a there's a million ways to apply that lesson in large ways and in small ways. So I'm a headshot photographer in the city and I have clients that there's two different versions of I don't know. One is I don't know what I am doing in my life. And that's okay. We all go through that. That's it's a question that you that is important because you're going you're understanding something needs to change. When you are doing that I, and you're going to get your headshots done, I ask that you commit to things so that you can make choices. The I don't know that I don't like is when you come into the studio and you go, I don't know what I want today. Because then I go, okay, you're about to drop, you know, a couple hundred dollars, a couple hundred quid, you know, and just like totally go, yeah, I... And, and risk that you're not going to see the things that you want to see or need to happen for your in, for your for your business to take the next step. It's okay to not know what you want in life, but if you're watching TV and you're going, 
uh, what role is that? And why was I not brought in for that? I need something that says that. All right, let's go for, um, let's go for that lovingly disapproval young mother. Okay, that that sort of vibe, denim shirt wearing, and that goes with a million different people. That goes with Disney Channel. That goes with some musical theater roles. That goes for Hulu comedy, whatever. And and taking stock on that, being like, I don't know if this is what is going to work for me, but when I go to this headshot session, this is what I'm going to get. Because you're making a choice. You're taking that risk. You're throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. You're doing your research, right? You're saying like, this is what I think. This is what I'm learning about myself. And you're applying it. By saying just, I don't know, and you're not doing any work, you're not taking any of those risks. You're not writing the Hamilton. You're not saying, hey, this is me. This is what I want to do. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, at least I at least I made a choice. So that lesson is applied to headshots. It's applied to writing. It's applied to, uh, you know, producing musicals. It's applied to anything that we do as an artist. So I love what you just said. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's a great. And I love what you just said. I think it's a great summation of what that is, because you can't. Yeah, you can't be everything to everyone. You can only be true to yourself. I mean, that can sound trite in a way. And you, I don't know about you, but you, as you say, you're still learning all these things. And it is, it's a kind of continual process. But you realize that actually, if you're true to yourself and you, and you, and the word you use is choice, you've made a choice, mm-hmm. then something will come from that. If you're trying to make millions of choices or do the wrong, I don't know, then it's, it's, you're not allowed, you know, I always think it's really, it's really cool when, um, as, as part of a research for another book I was, I was planning, I asked one of the casting directors here who does musicals um, if I could sit in on her castings and help out or get tea or whatever, because I wanted to be on that side of the table. She said, yeah, so I ended up being the reader and she was at, she does The Lion King, she has all the big shows here. And at that point she was doing Dream Girls was happening and she was doing Motown. So I sat, ended up sitting in for like two weeks and that was absolutely priceless, absolutely priceless experience because as an actor, you're so nervous about what they want. And as you say, with, you know, you, I'm still learning, I'm still fighting that battle. What do they want? What, 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 I've got to be this, I've got to be that, I've got to be this. Make a choice. There was this one kid who came in for Motown and by that point, We'd heard the songs a million times, Reap Petit or whatever it was. We'd heard a million times. And this kid came in and um, in the in the in the audition room, when you come in and out of the room, there was a there's a door and you have to like there's like a green buzzer to unlock the door and you go out the door. One of those things. So my job as reader ended up being people would come in and you could see how nervous they were because they had to do the green button to come in and they would forget to do it on the way out because you could see they were just, their brains were so occupied with what they were doing. So I'd be the reminder going green button because they'd be trying to pull this door. Anyway, this kid comes in and he's young. He's he's like 17, 18. And he does this song and he sings the hell out of it. His energy is like, it's like he's on stage at the Apollo or he's, Mm. he's, and he hammers this song, the final note of this song, he does this spin 
And whilst holding the note, now maybe I'm remembering this wrong, differently, wrongly, but he hits this note, does this spin, jumps towards the door, hit the green button, the door's open, and he like flies out of the door singing this song, the, the, this end of the number. Now, that can't be what it was, but that's what it felt like because the entire panel stood up and applauded. And it was so clear. And the director was like, okay, I don't know who he is, but, and I'm not sure where we're going to put him in the show, but his debut is going to be in the show. <laughs> and, got, and he brought the kid in. I should find, I should find it really, because I've told this story once before, but it was so clear that he'd committed to exactly what you're saying. He'd gone, I know what this number is. I know what I feel about this song. This is what I'm going to do to it. And he did it. He was completely in into, and, and because of that, the director was like, I want him in this show. I'm not, we're going to find a place for him to be in this show. And that's what happened. So I always try and remember that. I think when you were young, maybe, I don't know what you feel about this, but when you're young, you kind of have that fearlessness, or you can, you can do, um, before you know about, you know, before you get worried about a million people's opinions. Um, but even then, that aside, I think he just had a quality where he just... He, he, he was like, I, it was like you, you talking about in that song that you were singing. It's like, this is what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I'm loving it. And this is how I'm going to do it. And that's what's got him the gig. It wasn't about the notes that he sang or anything. It was like his energy, his commitment to himself. So yeah, I think uh, I'm always a big advocate of, of, and it's difficult because we all have different upbringings and we all have different shit that we have to deal with in school and college and stuff. And by the time you get to the big city, we're all in different places, but if you can hold on to your what's 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 um, most precious to you, which are your own thoughts and feelings about the world, and that will if you if you if you if you if you um, commit to that, it will have it will pay off even in way if you don't realize it at the time you'll be able to look back and go actually I stuck to my guns there I was true to myself whereas if you don't if you don't um, hold on to that you. You're, you're losing something, I think. That's amazing. Anyway. That's an, an, a truly incredible story. We're going to keep talking about that. We're going to listen to a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. And we're back. So um, that story is absolutely brilliant because it is a testament to doing something doing something that is non-quotidian and unique, but it is not from a place of, of I'm going to do something unique. Exactly. It comes from a place of the core. It comes from your core. And exactly. I think so many times these days, we, we, we artists are implored to do something different, but that what is different is not what is unique. Right. So like, mm yesterday i had a client in my studio and she's a senior at a school and a dancer and she has her song picked out but she wants to do a dance reel for showcase and she was like i because she's trained in fossey and she was like i i know i know um the rich man's frug but you know i i i, I don't know if i should just do one and i said do them all do them all she goes because 
because we she was talking about um being swinging that track that song in a show and she had to learn all of the the um all the tracks of that number and i said you know them she goes yeah do them all and so she is going to set up um six grids and record every single every single track of that number and do it for showcase which is an iconic way to be like, hey, if you're looking for a swing, I am your swing. Because look, I have all, I know all of these and I'm doing them perfectly. Like that is brilliant. Those are the risks that we need to take. Kathy Fitzgerald, when she booked the producers on Broadway, you know, she did this number where she um, has these false eyelashes on and uh, she's singing in this German accent. And she, I think she is at least. And then she, one of the eyelashes, I don't know how she did this, but one of the eyelashes falls off at a time and she tries to pick it up from the ground and she winds up putting it, it winds up going on her upper lip and she's singing the rest of the song with a Hitler mustache. And she said, I think she said Mel offered her the role in the room because it made him laugh so hard, which it's just, it comes from you. And I think, you know, you said something about, you know, this, the phrase, you know, um, being you know uniqueness and um being true to who you are might come off as you know trite or whatever and um there's a reason why that phrase is has become the phrase that it is because you got to listen to the words right you have to be true to who you are right and it's it's true. You, who else are you going to be true to other than yourself when you're making these choices? You have to be true to who you are. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but and it's easy because it's easy to not be that because there are so many people that you need to impress and da da da. So yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I mean, hearing that story, um, both of those both of those stories. I think that first one about recording like lots of different things yeah. is so cool because as you say, as long as it comes from from a place of like she likes all of it, she knows all of it. Okay, we'll do all of it. Show because because uh, you know what a director wants to see more than anything else is someone who has um made a choice and has really thought about this this part, this character, this story. You bring that in, you go, okay, right, I can work with that person. Whereas if you're if you're leaving it, you know, doing the equivalent of when people come to you and say, I don't know what headshot I want. Well, you've kind of got nothing to work with, right? You want somebody's made a kind of decision. I remember in our in our my uh, my first audition for Hamilton in, in New York because I wasn't going to be in London when we when they auditioned because I was on, on tour internationally. So we happened to be in New York at the beginning of the tour. So my and this is like in the summer in July. And the auditions weren't until like October in London, which but I was going to be in China at that point. So my agent said, "While you're in New York, meet them, and then you you can you can meet them." So I said, "Okay, fine." So I I I they send you the material, which is a bit of the opening, and then a bit of wait for it, and a bit of dear Theodosia, and the end of room. So you learn all that, okay. Now, Room, I loved when I heard it. Of course, everyone loves it. So I was like, I want to I want to do that whole song. One, because I hate auditions. So I'm like, I want to show them everything I've got. Mm -hmm. 
I want them to see it clearly, kind of what we're talking about. I want them to see, okay, this is this Giles, this is what he's thinking, this is what he feels about this. We get it, we see it. I don't want to be sort of second guessing. So I and this that song is like five minutes long. And I but I just think it's I just thought it was my, it was my favorite thing when I heard the show. So I learned it and I went. Um, I did the show in New York, we were at Lincoln Center, ran down to wherever we were auditioning, 30-something, and met Alex Lacamoire. He was the only one there, him and the, the pianist and the casting director. And they said, okay, what do you want to start with? And I said, okay, well, he said, do you want to start with Room? Okay, fine, so we started with Room. And I said, okay, well, I'd, I'd like to do all of it. And he sort of looked at me kind of weird, and, 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 uh, and he's like, okay, mm, okay, cool. That's, you know, fine. Um I'll, you know, there's, you know, there's loads of, I said, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's. he said, okay, well, I, I can jump in with, you know, Jeff, you know, the rest of them, Jeff, and I was like, no, 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 I'll, I, I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it. It's crazy to have thinking about it. I was like, I just want to do it. So I did the whole number and the whole thing. Uh, and, and that was it. I auditioned that once. The next day I came and met Tommy. Tommy Kale was, came in the next day. And we did the same material. Uh, I don't know whether I did the whole thing the next day. I don't think I did. And then that was it. And then they offered me the job. In December, which is six months later, when they finally did audition and stuff. But for me, I was like, I just liked that. I just wanted to do that thing. Because the end of it was like, you're kind of riffing at the end of the song. It's like the last 16 bars. It's not even, it's not even a huge chunk of lyric. It's just kind of, I want to be in the room. So I was like, I'd like to tell that song because I like the story. And it kind of, now I look back and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, but I was like, I, I just like it. And I just want to sing that song. So for me, it's always about like coming from a place of like, what do I feel about all this stuff? And, and what do I, let me make some kind of choice and some kind of decision about it. And at least let go in that room and let them see something of who you are. They go, oh, right that's what she's like oh that's what he's like okay right that's what they're like like give them something that they can look at which is not on the page I always think um it wasn't as it wasn't as necessary I mean it could that could have backfired horribly but I was just like well this is something I'd quite like to do and in a way I also thought I also thought because at that point Broadway had just Lynn had just left. Leslie Odom Jr. had just left on Broadway, so they'd been there for a while. Mm -hmm. But it was—it's like zenith of of the 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 that amazing journey that that was. And um, so I thought the the American cast were going to come over here. That's that's what I thought. Mm. And I was like, that would be cool. I would love that. So I, I went into the auditions going well. And even if even if they didn't, I was like, they can they can pick anyone. They can have anyone. So I was like, I'm not even going to really think about that. I'm just going to do what I enjoy, and be tr try and be true to that, and and then see what happens. And it worked out fine. I mean, it worked out brilliantly. I got they asked, <laughs> yeah. They, they they asked me to do it, um, but it, it it's always good to go. I think go back to your that original thing of what do you feel about all this material and this stuff and these characters and try and stick to that rather than what are they going to try and be what they want you to be. Um, because also I, it was clear to me from the casting in America that like 
whoever you know the, i didn't know the creative team at that point but they they've got really unique individual people in that original cast and that you kind of go well that's what your strength is and we're going to you know use that and bring that your sort of david strength is we're going to bring that out so i was like well that seems to be what they're what they're about as a as a production of of finding people and kind of working with that so um yeah if, if you, i think if you can always try and try and as you said when you know you were saying whether you'd when you're performing that song looking at yourself performing that song whether you'd enjoy performing that song i think sometimes we can put our own um uh what would i say like our own what what impresses us or what moves us put our own filter on it yeah put it to the side a little bit and it's like no that's that's it's also about whether you want to work with these people as you were saying now it's like i don't want to work in that space anymore so i'm not going to do it that's that's a massive thing which we really we kind of go i need to do work and therefore i'm going to go in and i'm going to do work but no you walk in and you go do you do i want to work with these people let alone do they want to work with me that's an important thing that took me a long time to learn um, yeah but i think it's important isn't it Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, look, I mean, whenever you make a risk or a choice like that, you learn something. So even if it doesn't go in a direction yeah. where, where you win an Olivier Award for it, you know, you at least still will get something out of it. Whether or not, hey, that, you know, I at least got a callback from that or... They yeah. literally said, when you are in the room for this show, never do that again. You at least know you'll never do that again. Like, there's exactly. always something to learn. But I'm exactly. so glad that that paid off for you. Now, you're talking about, you know, working with teams and, and you know, you don't have to work with people that you don't want to, right? I, whenever I talk with an agent... Nope, that's not what I was going to say. Whenever I talk with an actor, a UK actor, about the differences between auditions in New York and the UK, they always talk about the difference um, in importance of agents and um, how someone gets an audition. Can you explain a little bit for the people that might want to break out into the UK the Americans that might want to explore the UK market or for younger, you know, college kids studying at RADA or Lambda or wherever in the UK, like the importance of an agent over there. And um, how do you get one in the West End and the UK? I don't know how it's different in America, but um, here, a lot of the agents go to the drama schools. 
Um, so you've probably got like half a dozen big drama schools and there are probably maybe half a dozen smaller ones. Um, and all the agents go to those drama schools in the third year productions. There's usually three or four productions in the third year and then there's a big showcase. All the agents will go to those and hopefully snap up lots of brilliant young actors and then um, and then submit you to various productions. There's been something in the last few years about opening that up mm. in terms of actors not having to have representation and also then being able to get the gigs because before it was a fairly closed shop where the casting director will go to certain agents and then that's it. They're not going to look outside of that. Right. What about the actors who don't have agents? So in the, in the last couple of years, they're trying to open it up a bit more, which is good. So you'll have um, open call days, um, which I think... I always thought there was a lot more of those in America. I don't know whether they still have those sort of big open yeah. calls. Yeah. We didn't have them as much, but now they're starting to do them more. So at least there's some way that you can kind of self-submit your thing. Um, but again, that's, I think that's maybe when you run into the first thing of like, well, what does this agent want? What do I need to be in order to kind of get on this agent's books? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they've got, they've got a couple of people who look kind of like me and therefore maybe I should, you know, I mean, you must get that all the time where actors are like, do I need to change my hair? Do I need to like, do I need to have a beard? Do I need to not? Do I need to kind of, we're automatically kind of shifting ourselves, um, to try and fit someone else. I have um, a, and that, sorry, no, no, didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no please. I, the, the thing that I say a lot about when, when um, people are like, when do I need new headshots? I go, when you learn something new about yourself in the industry, that's usually when you need new pictures. When you are aware that you have something that is attractive to casting directors, you're getting feedback. Hey, I love when you do this, lean into this more. Or, you're getting more callbacks since you bobbed your hair and dyed it black, or you're getting more callbacks since you started dancing. Like anything you know, or your agent or manager is telling you stuff, like anything, any new information you know should be represented in a photo. Now, what's so funny is like from the get-go, you started saying things about the agent the agent relationship, and already it's different. And it's primarily made because I think about like the size of our two countries and markets because like there are so many programs um that are spread all over the world all over the um uh all over the country that are not just in new york right there are, there's three major ones in florida there's you know major ones in in north carolina and major ones in phil you know in pennsylvania and it's like we we do not you you don't necessarily come to new york to train for musical theater and agents and managers will look at those programs if you come to them and it's getting a little better with virtual showcases mm. but but that is a huge accessibility issue for me because it's like there are so many people that one can't even get into the schools because they can't even afford to apply for them and um yeah and then that creates a barrier. Now, some now, what if they got the money? What if their community railed behind them and were um, railed behind them? Nope, riled behind them, and were able to raise those funds for to fly out to those schools to audition, which is again a huge accessibility issue because they don't come to you. You have to go to them. That's flights. Right. That's hotel. That's you know that's audition materials. That's you know application fees. Then you get into the school. 
amazing. You get a scholarship. Even if you go through, you still have to shell out that money to get to the city to audition for agents and managers, which I think is absolutely bullshit. And it prevents so many people from, from so many incredibly talented people from having a career in this industry. And um, so there's that, but, you know, uh, I think, you know, agents and managers in the UK seem to do a little more um, searching. Like they go to your schools, they go to your showcase. And I feel like right. there's more of a chance to get represented because they actually, and I can get in trouble for saying this, but I don't really care. Um, they actually get off their butts and do some stuff. Yeah. I mean, you saying that about um, <laughs> um, the geographics of it all, I'd never, I've never thought about, but you can, you know, an agent will go from London up to the Edinburgh Festival every year. That's the other end of the British Isles. That's not a problem. You jump on a train, you go up there, you see a whole bunch of shows, you, you find people. You can go basically anywhere in the country. Whereas actually, as you're saying, an agent needs, it's not going to go to Des Moines, Iowa to, to, to see someone at their... And that's, whereas we don't quite have that here, it's quite easy to get to different places. You're going to be up in Manchester, you're going to be in Liverpool, right. you're going to be in wherever it is. It's, there's only not that many places in the country. So um, that have big theatre uh, community. So it's easy for agents to be up and down. And, and and also, I think this thing of once you have like the 80s boom with Cameron McIntosh and Lloyd Webber, you have these shows which are going to be long running shows. They're not, you, they, they, there's a precedent set up that these shows are going to be around for a long time and they're going to tour internationally as well. They're going to tour around the UK. They're going to be in New York. So we're going to need a constant flow of performers who are going to fit Christine and who are going to fit Phantom and who are going to fit Jean Valjean. So I think when that happens, it's easy to go, right, let's look to the drama schools because we're going to have to keep this kind of conveyor belt going. Right. Because we, I'll show, and 40 years later, the shows are still running. So when I went to drama school at Mountview, the musical theatre course was really, really cool. And it was a kind of, there was a kind of pipeline. Lots of people went into Miss Saigon and went into Phantom. Mm. Um, and that kind of makes sense that there was, it made sense that they go, we're going to need to, if we're going to keep these shows running, it's not like we're going to have, you know, like shows in the past that run for two, three months or whatever. We want these shows running around the clock and they're going to be international. So therefore we're going to have to stock them with um, people. So therefore it's in the interests, not only of the producers, but also of the agents to be able to go, we know if we can get people in Andrew Lloyd Webber's shows, that's consistent money. Mm -hmm. Therefore I'm going to find these people. I'm going to find his voice. So I think all of that um, also contributed to the fact that agents really need to... Um, in musicals, anyway, it's different in 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 um, TV quite, film, quite straight plays. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I just it, feel it's not that agents don't do outreach. It's that I just feel like there could always be more. It's okay. like you know what I mean. Like when I was at Ithaca for musical theater, it's like we didn't have any agents visit us. I think we had one or two, and it's like we were four hours from the city. And um, I can't be the only program in, and Ithaca mm -hmm. is a top program in the country. And it's like, I can't be the only program in the U.S. to have, you know, this experience. And it's just, there's a lot that needs to change in terms of like the accessibility, in terms of 
meeting an agent and manager. And here there are a lot more opportunities to be seen uh, without representation, like with EPAs and ECCs and open calls and things like that. Um, yeah. And also self-submissions um, through like backstage and places like that. There are a lot more opportunities, but, you know, I, I just find talking about these two different markets is really interesting because then we get to go, oh, see, I like that. We should have more of that. And Oh, we don't have like that. Wow. Okay. We're, we're blessed to have that. You know what I yeah. mean? It's, it's, it's yeah. really good to take stock, but you know, I want to talk about, we were talking about telling our own stories and talking about, you know, our perspectives and, and, and understanding why we do what we do. And I think a huge, you know, since you are a multi-hyphenate and that's why you're on this podcast, we got this to talk about. Yes, yes. The, my book, my book, Hamilton and Me. That is correct. So tell me why. Why? I always keep a journal when I work, um, especially if it's something which is quite, you know, exhaustive and 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 something I've not done before and it's quite a it's quite challenging so I always keep a journal and um so I kept one during Hamilton and I kept it from the time I met them in New York and auditioned met Tommy and and Lack in New York and um all the way through final audition all the way through my prep for the show and then rehearsals and then for the whole year I was in the show I kept a journal and then during lockdown um I'd also planned maybe to write another book. I mentioned earlier when I mm -hmm. went to Pippa and asked him the casting because I was trying to, I was trying to, I've been thinking about writing a book for young artists, young performing artists um, about some of the things that I've learned, not the stuff we're talking about. So I thought maybe I'll use a bit from my Hamilton journal to um, write maybe a chapter on, you know, musical theatre or singing, acting through song or something. But apart from that, it was just a journal that I keep. Um, it was very, very full-on experience, so it's very useful for me to just have something every day where I can just write my thoughts and feelings down as well, as well as what I'm supposed to be doing with these with this character. So it's very useful to me. So then in lockdown, I I thought, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try and do that book um, for young artists, and then so I dug out my journal from Hamilton and I started to read it, and I was like, actually, this is really interesting because it was. Uh, written in such a kind of the kind of white heat of that experience um I hadn't I hadn't looked at it since and there had been a couple of years so re-looking at it I was like, actually this is really interesting it reads like it felt like being in that room and being in that space so I thought maybe maybe there's something I could do with some of this material so I showed it to my uh literary agent and she said okay well forget the other book do this book. That's that's the book because all the things you're talking about in this other book for performing artists is within this Hamilton journal. You're talking about meeting the challenges of getting a role, meeting the challenges of living up to something which has been as huge success before. Any number of challenges are all kind of in that journal. So I was like, yeah, but I'm not sure whether if you were in that experience, you might get it. But what if you weren't in Hamilton rehearsals? It's kind of I didn't write it to be a book. So I showed, so I showed it to a few of my friends who don't who aren't in the industry, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, this is this this is very clear. We get this." So then I thought, okay, well, let me ask Lynn because I can't do anything without Lynn's approval. So I wrote to Lynn and was like, 
what do you feel about this? And he he wrote back in about two hours and said, I just read it all and I'm crying as I write this email. Thank you for doing it and thank you for journaling this and, and, and making this document of this time period. So once that happened, I said, okay, well, maybe this is something we should... I, I thought, okay, this has got value outside of me and our company. Um, so then we we did a we did a publishing deal very quickly, and um, and that was kind of how it happened. I wanted to make something which is really useful to young performers and young artists, whether or, or you don't even have to perform because the thing about it is it's a it's a it's an ex, it's the experience of someone who's meeting something incredibly challenging in their life and somehow you have to meet it and sometimes somehow you have to kind of rise to it so that could be performing or it could be an artist or it could be anything you could you could, you could apply to any walk of life um so yeah it, it, but primarily i thought okay well this is going to be i wish that i had something like that when i was starting out that kind of just takes you through what the process is from auditioning and, and what rehearsal process is and um, so that's, that's why, that's why I did it. I think that's incredible. And, you know, I was away and this came while I was away. So I'm excited to really start digging into this, um, because it's my favorite type of book. It's a, it's, um, it's a less structured book. It's, it's, a, it, it's heavily focused on the perspective. It's true. It's honest. Um, and, when we create something, you know, with my book as well, it's like, I want someone to be able to walk away from reading or listening to or seeing or whatever I'm doing creating. I want them to walk away with something completely different than what someone else walked away with, you know, or yeah. the, the lessons be like, oh, I knew that already, but this I didn't know. And what, what? how did you know that? I learned that. That's because this industry is so um, has been so fly by to the seat of your pants for so long. I think now us as artists who I think maybe out of the creation of social media, we're by nature sort of like documentarians. We like to document mm. stuff. We like to take mm. pictures. We like to yeah, post things. True. We like to get feedback. I think a lot of us now like to write because we like to document. So documentation you know documentation yeah. of the industry my book is a documentation of the industry and it's your perspective which we're going to learn something from yeah because yeah it's true and I, yeah it is and i remember when i went to see hamilton for the first time i saw it in new york when i auditioned for it i went and saw it at the show a couple of days before i met them for the audition and even though i had been studying my songs studying the material for two weeks i only had two weeks to learn it and I'd been listening to that cast recording and listening to that cast recording because um, I was doing another play at the same time. So in my breaks, I'd be trying to learn these songs. Um, when I went to see it on Broadway, I came out at the intermission and was in tears because I thought, how has someone come up with this piece? Uh, what I thought was that, you know, as artists, you're always dissatisfied with what you've come up with. It could be something better, it could be proved, it could be... Or you, the circumstances weren't quite enough that you were able to... There's always... You see the wrong things. But I was like, wow, for once, 
an artist must have had the experience where it was like that's fully formed mm -hmm. this show seemed so perfect every single sentence phrase rhyme melody um move gesture everything seemed so perfect the orchestration everything seemed absolutely perfectly formed in the way that they talk about like mozart just writing mm. these and they just come out of him um and i was like wow and i was really moved by that at the perfection of it i was like they've an artist has actually been able to have that experience like what would you change about hamilton in terms of a piece of musical theater i couldn't see anything then when we got into rehearsals i was like oh no 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 and when i got to talk to lynn i was like no 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 lynn no 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 lynn 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 went through a million rewrites of this song lynn ditched that he took the beginning of wait for it and swapped the verses around it used to be that and it's now that this whole thing as anything else went through a whole process of development and finding and discarding and rewriting and moving and and hitting the wall and writer's block and not being able to get it and then changing it and cutting that song, finding another song, just like anything else. So, but I noticed that actually that's not, you know, when I talk to people after you've come to see the show, I'm not in the show anymore, when I was in the show, um, people had kind of the same experience that I had when I watched it, was that it's this thing, this kind of perfect, immaculate thing. Um, it's so dazzling that you, that all you can see is this, and, and you know, it is it is brilliant for that but what i thought was really useful is for artists to see actually lynn rolled his sleeves up and, and worked in exactly the same way that you might be in your room now working mm -hmm. trying to work out what your thing is wherever you are no no, no lynn is the same you know he's, his experience is exactly the same as yours you you wrestle with this bit of art how's it going to be how am i going to change it is it right do i need to do this do i need to do that and so i thought it was kind of useful um, for people to see a little bit of that because it hadn't really been shown with Hamilton experience before. So within the journal, I was like, well, it might be nice for people to go, oh, right, you know, you come in every day to rehearsals and you you try and get it right and you fuck up and you get it wrong and you, you know, your voice does this and you have to try and find another way. And it's all those things that, that we, that every performance or every show, or every production has, every artist has. It's, there's, there's, there's no kind of, it doesn't sort of just divinely drop out of the sky. It mm -hmm. takes work. So uh, that was also part of me wanting to put it out was to to kind of um, demystify it a little bit so that people can, so that now I talk to young artists and I'm like, you know, what is your Hamilton? What is mm -hmm. your version of this that you've got? Might not be musical theater, might be a play, might be a novel, might be a painting, whatever. Could be a rock it's, collection, you know? Could be a rock collection, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What is your version of that? And and uh, I think it's very, I think part of what comes with being in Hamilton is going, okay, how do we use this experience? Because, you know, on one level, it's incredibly commercially successful and it's 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 dazzling and it's there's all of that. But then what do we what do you do with that? Um so for me, I was like, well, if I can contribute that um and encourage people and inspire people to, okay, well, I'm gonna try my version of that then I'll be happy to do it. What's also really incredible is that Hamilton is feeding your multi-hyphenate experience, right? Like it's literally multi-Hamilton, which I love. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because not only did you experience the gifts of Hamilton as a performer, you experienced the gifts of Hamilton as a writer. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is really incredible. And I always but say, again, what'd you say? Go on, go on, go on. No, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, well, that also did Lynn. 
that's 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 in the DNA of the whole experience. Right. He exactly. wrote it and he was performing in it, and that's not that's not alien to him. He was that's what he's a storyteller. I would think I don't really think of myself as an actor. I think of myself as a storyteller, and mm -hmm. and you know originally, uh, you know, without being too. I don't know. I do believe that. I do believe that. You know, it's a tradition of storytellers that goes way back. You know, you look at the original Greek and Roman storytellers. They came out and seen in front of 10,000 people and they had written it and they performed it. <laughs> and often they performed the music with it or some of them might perform with them and they directed it. They decided I'm going to stand here when I say this, when I talk about the Trojan horse, I'm going to say that and do that gesture. So, and, that, and that's equivalent to, you could be in, Africa, you could be in the Middle East, you could be in Japan. The ancient storytellers all kind of have that thing. So I'm, I'm like, that's what I'm really interested in. So to me, there isn't really a division. I don't know what you think, but I'm like, this yeah. thing about that's you're over there as a director and you're over there. That's a very new phenomenon, I think. Um, so I, to me, it's not really, it's not really a, a kind of a big stretch to kind of write a journal or write a book. I think it was out of the it was born out of the idea of like, and I love them. Don't get me wrong, but like the Sandy Meisners, mm -hmm. the the Uta Hagens, the you yeah. know th those that around the 60s, 70s, that acting um, school of thought that was like, you are in act. If you are in this, you, you have to study it. You have to do it. So people became afraid of doing anything else. But yeah, before that, look at Mel Brooks, uh -huh. multi Ivanet. You know, right. look at Whoopi Goldberg, Issa Rae, uh, Lynn, look at Molly Brown. And I say this a lot on this podcast, but Mo Molly Brown, the survivor of the Titanic, literally was a multi-hyphenate and used the principles of what I say multi-hyphenate is. And that's, you know, the four questions, which are predominantly very, it's a very Jewish thing, but um, does it bring me joy? Do I get paid for it? Is there a paper trail? And does uh all do all my multi hyphens, uh, multiple hyphens cross pollinate with each other? And I think if you have mm. four of those things checked off, then you're a multi hyphenate. Um, if you have three, I would consider it. But if it's two or less, then maybe you keep working on that. Like if it doesn't bring you joy, don't do it. If you're getting paid for it, yeah. maybe you're not on a professional level yet. So there's yeah. a there's a checklist that um I think encourages the growth of the multi hyphenate, but multi-hyphenating is becoming a buzzword these days and that's why i sort of i really wanted to write this book and that's also why i talk about this a lot because so many people say multi-hyphenates when they aren't actually practicing multi-hyphenates they have a lot of talents or they have a lot of skills or they have a lot of um hobbies but that doesn't make you a multi-hyphenate you are multi-hyphenate, cross-pollinating your storytelling into multiple ways, multiple outlets of creating art on a macro level. An artist who has multiple proficiencies which cross-pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. You, my friend, are a multi-hyphenate, and I'm so glad that we had this conversation today. Thank you very much. I I, I appreciate that. I'm being very inspired by it. I think, but, you know, also there's, there's a kind of necessity that comes out of you know, if you're black and in, 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 in the way it works over here, it's like the parts that you might be up for, the parts that you might be exposed to are limited. So I found it's a necessity to go, I'm going to tell my story in the same way that Lynn did. Lynn was like, I'm not seeing the stories that I'm, I want to see, so I'm going to write it. You just proved my, okay, you just backed up what I literally 
say to all of my workshops, all of the people that I talk about, when I go, what is the common denominator? I go, who are multi-hyphenates? And people will say, Mel Brooks, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Donald Glover, uh, Shakina mm-hmm. Nafak, you know, all of these people. And I go, what do they have in common? Oh, they're great. They're really talented. I go, who are they as people? Um, and then someone will go, they're black, they're Jewish, they're trans. And I go, what does that mean? They're from mm-hmm. marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Multi-hyphenates are primarily from marginalized communities because right. our stories are not centered. And exactly. We have to do, we have to be the ones to center them. Exactly. Come on. I'm fired up. You fired me up now. This is great. I'll be in London in, in July, so let's do something together. Let's. And I cannot wait to read this book. I cannot wait to read this book and tell everyone I know about it. Well, I can't wait to read your book and tell everyone I know about it. And that's exactly what we're here to do. So, Hamilton and me, I could never have this title because I'd be forever freaked out if I used the wrong and me or it's me and Hamilton. I'd be forever freaked out. Um... <laughs> That someone led me astray. Um, we got <laughs> made by Giles Herrera in Actors Journal, and it is published by the Theater Communication Group, correct? Correct, very correct. And Brilliant. this is on sale now, and you need to get your copy. Let's read this all together. I'm going to jump into it starting tonight, and I can't wait to get lost in it. And please, Giles, where are you on social media? Because I'm about to follow you if I, do, if I don't already. I'm at Giles Herrera on Instagram, and I'm at Giles Herrera on Twitter. Okay, I don't do Twitter, but I definitely do Instagram. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's All do right. That. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you to Thank you. Podcast Network. Thank you, Giles, for being here. Everyone, file, file Giles. Good. <laughs> Follow Giles on Instagram and Twitter. Buy his book, Hamilton and Me, in Actors Journal. And as always, download, download the episode. Rate, subscribe, comment, do all that good stuff. Love you all. Bye. Mwah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.